This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 61, Spring Training Happy Good Times, recorded on February 13th, 2017. Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always, with your host, me, Matt Lyons, and today's special guest host, um, Let's Go Tribe writer, Mayor Rolfing. Hello. And Let's Go Tribe writer, uh, Facebook liver and Twitch streamer, Matt Schlichting. Hi. Thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, for everyone who's listening now, I was expecting Jason. Um, if you're a regular listener, you know he's going to have a baby soon. That's not why he's gone now. He didn't have it yet. When he does have it, he's going to go on like a month, maybe more. Hiatus just to settle and all that. This is different. He's on a work thing. Assuming the baby doesn't come in a week, he'll be back next week, and then we'll be back to the normal, um, at least for a week, and there'll probably be more of a lot more of Matt and Merritt in the, in the weeks after that. But next week, Jason will be back at least, maybe. But for now, Matt and Merritt, how are you guys doing? I'm well, you know, another day, I guess. <laughs> I got a new phone, but it keeps on wanting to track my entire life, so it's horrifying. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. Just I like the way you said it better. Bit. In the pre-show that it wants to track your body. Which oh, is no, well, all kinds specifically of it wants to turn on its my body sensor. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. So I always <laughs> feel like say, tied no. to a fitness thing or no, I, I don't know. <laughs> Just like, if, if I want to operate the maps or lift or the Google play store or Google drive or Gmail, for some reason, I need to turn on the body sensors. <laughs> you can't use Gmail without knowing. Your no, body. It, no, it, it needs to read my inflections with, you know, the, the nonverbal communication I'm putting into my emails as well. <laughs> Gmail is phasing out the, 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 the lack of sarcasm in the, the digital <laughs> sphere, which I think is, is going to be Google's greatest feat. Personally, <laughs> the removal of sarcasm through body sensors. I guess that's got to be coming soon. <laughs> so, Matt, how are you? Any stocking phones? I think interesting for you. It's been a couple couple weeks since you've been on, I think. Yeah, it's been a little while. Being in 19 days back to Columbus, which is kind of back and kind of for the first time since college. I don't really know how to say it anymore. Because so I was there for six the months oh. and then had to come back for work. And then I'm taking work there this time, which should be much better. So how far away are you from Cleveland there? I always assume like in my head they're like right next to each other. But are you a few hours away in Columbus? I want to say it's two and a half, three hours oh, that's quite to, the, like, to the stadium, but it's totally worth it. Are you still going to try to make it to a few? Family picked up a 20-game pack, so it should be, should be good stuff. <laughs> That'd be nice. I nice won't be going to all of them, time. but... <laughs> At least a couple, yeah. Better than some of us have to drive five hours just to get to a game. Or even two hours to see a minor league game. <laughs> you know, where I, I live in Washington, D.C., and it would actually take me less time, I think, to drive to go see an Orioles game than it would to go see a Nationals game. It's weird. Probably. I, They're I, really... I came to that conclusion. The other day. Well, it's super easy to get to Orioles Stadium. You come right off the highway. You're right there. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's super, I don't know, it's super weird that I'm like, like, I'm like three miles from one and like 20 from the other, and it takes way less time. Isn't there some other one that's like that? It's um, I know in football, like the Jets and Giants technically aren't in New York. But isn't it like in um, – it's like the A's or Giants. Somebody's not actually in their city. I can't remember who it is. There's one that's really weird, but I don't remember. Well, uh, the Rangers I mean, are in – I guess it doesn't really count because it's the they're Texas, Texas Rangers. Yeah. yeah, they're still Texas. Well, uh, Tampa is in St. Pete. Right. Um, is Miami in Miami now? Yeah, because they were in Miami Gardens for a while. The Bills are in Orchard Park. Um, what else is there? I frequently forget the Bills even exist. Oh, they, you know. <laughs> and I live in their market now. And even then, like around here, nobody even cares about them. 
I, I don't believe you. What else is there to care about? A thousand feet of snow? You don't want to care about that. You want to <laughs> Once hate in a that. while. <laughs> the, snow is very, the snow is way more exciting than the Bills. It's way more exciting than football. So we're going to talk about baseball things, which is the very exciting, happy time of the year. Spring training. It's a time of grainy video footage from beat reporters and digital zooms and shaky cameras and unironically horrible pictures. But I love them all because I love seeing players starting to do things. I can't wait till we get that first video of like a line of pitchers throwing into catcher's mitts and you hear all the clicks at once. Mm-hmm. So just how excited are you, Merritt, just for the generalness of spring training? Well, you know, it's that for I'd be more excited, honestly, if it hadn't been so warm for the last like month in this area. Like usually in the past, this has kind of been the first wink that summer's on its way. But like last week, it was like 65 degrees out. So I'm not really all that like freezing and miserable and like tra- and, like snowbound like it was in Chicago or even Kentucky. So, I really feel bad for you, Merritt. It's, it's actually, it's, it's, well, I'll tell you something. When you work in the HVAC field, it's actually kind of a problem because you need it to be cold so people turn on heaters. But other than that, um, no, it's been pretty good. Um, no, so no, I'm, I'm still super psyched. Um, it's very exciting. There's many things. I think my biggest problem this year with the Indians in particular, as opposed to last year, is there's so many things that are set with the team, which we'll get into in a bit that I don't have lots of things to worry about. So I only have things to be excited about, I guess. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. obviously I want to see Edmund Encarnacion hit, you know, 75 home runs or whatever he's going to hit this year. But I don't <laughs> if know. If you hit 60, you'll be worried. Like at this point, yes, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> this is a down year, right? I don't know. I, I've only ever seen him hit bombs or strike out when he's facing Andrew Miller. So uh, I guess it's just, as with like any spring training or training camp or anything like that, like I'm happy it's here, but I already want it. I already hate this part because there's no baseball being played now. Like, I have to wait another, like, three weeks for actual games to start. And then, of course, yeah. the World Baseball Classic starts. And I'm super excited for that because, you know, go America and all that. Yeah, there's always a big fervor over pitchers and catchers reporting. But it happens. It's a really exciting half day and then three weeks of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, everyone's already there, too. So, like, yeah, like they were right. saying like, almost the entire team is already in Goodyear. They just haven't officially reported, what are you? I'm very excited about all about? kinds of things. Um, like last year, especially the biggest thing that was new to me for watching baseball was having a lot of Twitter people around to watch games with. Because I've always been a loser who just watches baseball by himself. I didn't grow up <laughs> a totally normal person who sits at <laughs> home alone at 10 o'clock at night watching grown men hit baseballs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but having just the even if it's just like a fake community of not actually talking to people, but tweeting at people is a lot of fun. And it's it's pathetic, but I go back and look at tweets throughout the season, like oh that was fun. I remember all that stuff and. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm more excited. Like you said, it's just all excitement at this point, which is almost kind of worse as far as anticipation goes. There's no like, well, I'm excited, but I shouldn't be that excited because they might not win. No, it's just I want it to start. I want to see winning, and I want it to happen now. And is that us <laughs> growing up? I can't even tell. Like, am I just a little bit more subdued now because I'm tired right now? Or is it more just <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm becoming a grown man slowly? I'm, you know, I'm not as jazzed about things as I was as a sweet young boy. <laughs> I'm not a sweet young boy. I'm pretty darn jazzed. It's true. And I feel like I'm still a sweet young boy. You're right. My, my age is nothing to do with sweet young boyness, is what we're saying. <laughs> Everybody can be jazzed or unjazzed. But Even the old man. not jazzed right now. What's After that? the World Series and everything, how can you not be jazzed right now going into Oh, that's true. Because, it, well, because, again, there's no actual baseball happening. But, again, Winter Baseball or World Baseball Classic, everyone get on board. I don't. You're excited about that, Merritt? That's, oh, I don't hell think. yeah. Well, come on. It's the first baseball we get. I don't know. First of all, 
Because we have a president who promised to make America great again. And I feel like part of that's going to be winning the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> Is that where it all starts? And make I feel like if we don't win that, he'll have failed America. <laughs> Literally his entire presidency is already on, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Referendum here. This is everything for him. Matt, talk some sense into him. Tell him the World Baseball Classic is dumb, and the better thing is spring training in those weird jerseys that don't look like baseball jerseys and playing half-assed baseball is the way better baseball than the World Baseball Classic. I'm kind of excited. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're going to say there, but it sounds like he's going to be kind of excited about the World Baseball Classic. So, checkmate, Matt Lyons. <laughs> I guess that concludes your argument. <laughs> and it made Merritt's argument. Merritt is technically right now. The World Baseball Classic is the best. And their but uniforms no. are way weirder, and it's way more half-assed baseball, so I don't know what you're talking about. No, but I do like the whole just playing in the spring and nobody seems to care all that much. You're just kind of you're just getting ready for the season. I don't yeah. want to watch people supposed to be competing and half-assing it like in the World Baseball Classic. No, that's fair. I'd rather watch people supposed to be half-assing it. And I also don't want Andrew Miller pitching anywhere away from the team. So for that reason alone, I hate the World Baseball Classic. You gotta let that boy fly, man. You can't just squeeze him tight like some sort of Lenny here. You gotta let him fly. <laughs> no, he's going full wild man with that beard, though. So he's ready for something. I don't know what, but just, he's going back to like Boston Red Sox. Does he have like a wife or a girlfriend or something like that? Like <laughs> telling him no, this is bad. He just he just spends all summer in Cleveland, never sees him. So he just has this big salty beard. But he came out of the woods, the woods of northeastern Ohio. Well, this isn't the first time he had it. Remember. There was oh, Boston that had the yeah. whole thing. And it's funny, I work with, I live in New York, so I live with a lot of, a lot of Yankee fans who loved Andrew Miller. And one of them especially like, absolutely hates his beard. And it, it's just amazing how much it angers her. And just the fact that he's on the Indians with a beard, everything about it is anger-inducing. Oh, well, of course. I do co-worker. Well, there's rules <laughs> to being a Yankees fan. You can't have facial hair. Right, which is stupid. It's, I'm so glad the Indians don't do it. Are they the last one to do that? Or is it the I wrong? think they're like the last team that has a strict policy on it. Well, you got the too? Is that a coincidence that nobody does? Oh, no, because no. what's his name dead? The third baseman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I wish that more teams had like rules like the 1970s A's where everyone grows a mustache and will pay you more money. And that's a <laughs> that's good rule. Acceptable. I think it was amazing <laughs> a couple of years ago when um, all the guys on the Indians started growing. I guess they called them like the rally stashes or whatever. It <laughs> was phenomenal. Stashes? Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> Awful stashes are always the best. I don't care what yes. context they're in or who has them. They're great. Um, so yeah, let's start talking about um, going to spring training. There's always stories. Most of them don't matter. Everybody's in the best shape of their life. Who cares? Um, so let's get down to what our favorites are. Matt, assuming your voice doesn't cut out, let's start with your favorite. Who's your? Um, what's your biggest story heading into spring training that you're looking forward to? I'm definitely looking forward to taking a look at some of the prospects the younger guys in particular even someone like Gio Urshela who's not you know technically a prospect anymore I'm interested to see if he performs well enough to sort of fight for a spot against guys like Eric Gonzalez and Yandy Diaz uh, Zimmer as well those to me stand out as kind of the four guys I don't I don't think uh I know Gonzalez uh, what am I saying Giovanni Urshela he did play but he's mm -hmm. technically not a – he's still a prospect. I mean, he didn't do enough. If you're going by the strict rule of if they play enough not to be considered a rookie, if he still played, he'd be a rookie. He'd be a prospect. But he's just not ranked anywhere anymore, I don't think. Yeah, I just feel like if you're in your third year, you, if it would be your third time in the majors, I'm not going to call you a prospect anymore, or even a rookie for that matter. I don't I care what their classifications are. <laughs> wow, look at you just firing out at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not a rookie. I don't care. <laughs> No, I can see that. So, so you don't have like a 31-year-old rookie who played like four innings here and there and 
I get that thinking, but just the consistency. I like sticking to That's if they true. haven't done that, they're a rookie, but really old prospects don't make a whole lot of sense. Although I do think it gets to the point where if they're that old, they don't get ranked anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it really matters if you call them a prospect. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, what are prospect rankings anyway? Like they're, right. they're, 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 I mean, they mean something obviously. And you'll get, you know, like a top, I was looking at it today or I thought about looking at it today. There was a, I saw a link to it at the top uh, baseball prospectus is top 101 from 2007. I can find the link. I click on it right now. But anyway, you know, you see seeing lists like that ten years later, you're like, okay, that was uh, they, they did okay in picking those guys. But so so often, you know, like you look at a club top thirty, it's half it's bull crap. Looks like yeah. it. Like when you yeah. look so many years later, it just looks random. The yeah. Indians' top one in that list was Adam Miller. Oh God, Adam Miller, <laughs> which was poor fingers. Oh yeah. man, poor blistered there was fingers. Else in that list for the Indians. Oh, God. Andrew Miller was on the list, but for the Tigers as a starting pitcher, but that doesn't count. <laughs> Trevor Crow, remember that name? That was quite a name. Oh, so many <laughs> shitty players. Though. That is a very cool name. I wish it succeeded just to have a Trevor Crow. I know, man, because Crow eggs are so full of protein. You know, he could add an entire. <laughs> that is not where I was going exactly, but that is also a good reason to enjoy the Trevor Crow. <laughs> so, Matt, was there anything else about prospects besides just tearing down your not geo as a prospect thing you wanted? <laughs> well, that because you you saw Naquin play really really well last spring which sort of forced the indians hand in starting him and i it'd be interesting if we have zimmer come out and do something similar to that or maybe naquin unfortunately comes into spring this year and plays not so great at all and then i think it's a really interesting spot in center field going into the beginning of the year yeah, for sure. They're looking at prospects, like, no matter what prospect it is, prospects in spring training are always exciting, I think. Because whether it's the big guys like Zimmer or just fringe players, you always want to see how they do if they emerge, like, if they go full Tyler Naquin or they just completely fall flat. I think Yandi, I, your free Yandi movement's finally going to come to fruition this year. Yeah. Hopefully out of spring training, maybe not. But at some point, Yandi Diaz, he better be on the roster. It would be great if he goes full out. It would. Whatever you were going to say, it would be great. I don't know. I, I disagree for vague <laughs> reasons. <laughs> so, Merritt, what's your uh, your biggest story here for spring training? Um, I don't know if it's a story per se, but it's always something you got, uh, that any of us and all of us are going to keep an eye on because it's really the one weak point. I'm trying not one point, but it's the weakness of the team. I mean, they're starting pitching. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm actually starting a series of this as of tomorrow, which you're having a little bit of fun editing this evening due to my technological idiocy. <laughs> um, but just in general, how the outfield is going to come together. Um, and that can mean any number of things. Like, will Naquin be more like his first half version of himself or more like his second half version of himself? Uh, what will Abel Monte look like? Um, Brandon Geyer, Lonnie Chis, all these guys. How will we know who will make the team, but it's more how will they look? Will Austin Jackson make the team? Michael Brantley, will he be healthy? Uh, and so we're going to talk about in a few, about in a few minutes with Carlos Santana. Will, what will he look like? With, uh, with increased time in left field if he needs it. So really, it's just, like I said, I, I know I said before, there's so much that's said about the team, but this is very much, it's not in flux because we know who's going to be playing it, but it's definitely the major weak point of the team. It's outfield defense as well as outfield just general production. I mean, God, it's going to be a lot of platooning, moving guys around and figuring out what works when, but I mean, it's a lot of guys to plug into only three slots and just making it work and finding time for them in the in, the, in spring training and seeing if they continue to perform. Will Tyler Naquin ever learn to either lay off or hit a, a, a fastball up? Um, which strikeout-to-walk ratio will Abraham Almonte display in 2017? The one that he showed when he showed for the Indians in 2015, the one he showed last year when it was like 5-1. to one. 
How many times will Brandon Geyer be hit by a pitch? Will he has he gotten even better at it this year? I don't know. Uh, is Lonnie Chisenhall, in fact, not very good at all? Mm-hmm. I'm beginning to think Lonnie Chisenhall is, in fact, not very good at all, and that troubles me because I like Lonnie Chisenhall quite a bit. So yeah, that's basically what I'm, what I'm excited for, or at least. No, not excited. Pensive about, I guess, because it's the only part that I'm really in, in any way nervous about with the team. Yeah, and it does go back to our initial spring training conversation that this is the one position where they're not set, and it's the one that's the most interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's so many things that are set that just aren't, like, the first baseman, there's no battle there. There's no second baseman shortstop there. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but... There's sort of a battle at, at catcher, but that's only because, I mean, again, Roberto Perez is not as good as... Excuse the me? national media might. Well, he's a very good player, but he's not as good as <laughs> some of the national media might think, based on his play in the postseason. I mean, again, a great defensive catcher, but we all know his issues, his inability to actually hit the ball. Um, How dare you, sir? I'm pretty sure he's really bad at hitting the ball. Even when he hits it, it goes somewhere. But he's bad at actually bat. To, you know, the the basics of baseball are. This is the know, year. This is the breakout MVP season. Roberto Perez, write it down. He's going to hit 290 with a 390 on base percentage and 150 home runs. And he's going to throw out Damn the is. How does he have 150 home runs and only a 390 on base percentage? The weird like, season. Oh, he's not going to have any other hits. I don't know. It's going to be all home runs and a ton of walks. Who, who's to say? <laughs> uh, Line of protection. Edward Carnacion is going to be behind him. You know, I don't know. So my exciting thing um, is, again, like yours, it's not exactly something I'm exciting. I'm excited about just something I'll be watching is pitcher health. The obvious one is Danny Salazar because he has elbow and forearm issues. Those ones are the most scary, I think. It's not like Carlos Carrasco where he broke his finger. Okay, he's probably going to be fine and back. That's a set thing. But Danny's lingered from like midseason on where he was on and off the disabled list. He was effective. He was terrible. That worries me a lot. Um, Carrasco's finger, I am i can't imagine he won't be fine. He just broke a finger. I imagine it's healed. Um, and Trevor Bauer's finger, <laughs> I assume that's okay too. Just hope he doesn't stick it in any more drones. Um, but just in general, I want to see how the, the pitching staff does when they're at full potential compared to last the end of last season when they were kind of dilapidated and just they crawled their way to the World Series. I want to see the whole thing in full force for a whole season. And that, of course, starts with a fully healthy spring training. I mean, you didn't even mention, are you at all worried about Corey Kluber's pitching, you know, another 40 or whatever, like 270 or 80 innings or whatever it was in total, in, uh, you know, for, for the season? Are you in any way worried about his some sort of hangover from that? I'm not that worried about it. I don't think it 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 means it's going to happen just because he pitched deep into the postseason. It's not like a thing that always happens, I don't think. I think if it doesn't, then nobody will mention it. But if it does, it's like, oh, that's a postseason yeah. hangover. Mm-hmm. It only matters if it goes wrong. That's the only time anybody notices it. So I think it'll just be a great pitcher again. Maybe not as good as he was last season or the season before, just because he can't always be that good. Or not the season before. 2015 was kind of... Yeah, but not the 2014 season, maybe not. But he's still going to be the clue bot. He's going to be great. Um, I, I, think that, I think this is a year that, that Carlos Carrasco finally does all, does a thing everyone expected him to do all these years. I think, he's, I think he'll be top three in Cy Young voting. I know we're not doing oh, predictions no. for 2017, but I think he's going to be top three in Cy Young voting this year. I like that one. What about Salazar? Is he, you think he's going up or down this year? I think he's going to throw 150 innings, and he's going to spend some time on the disabled list, and he's going to be exactly what we think. Jenny Salazar is a tiny man who throws incredibly hard, and he's going to get hurt eventually. I mean, it's just – it's I, – I, 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 I'm never going to expect anything more than that. He's going to be great, and then he's going to get tired, and then they should just bench him for all of August. <laughs> keep him <laughs> fresh for the postseason. Yeah, keep, yeah exactly. Yeah, call, up, I don't know, call up Cody Anderson and Michael Clevenger to, to, to fill his, uh, his spot because Clevenger's going to figure it out. I don't know. Whatever. Uh <laughs> It's just so frustrating to watch. 
because he has everything there, like the fireball, the splitter, mm-hmm. all kinds of or not splitter, slider, but yeah, he has a splitter, isn't it? He throws a Danny he sells, throw a throws, yeah, he throws a splitter and a fat. It's a, it's a split chain. Oh, I yeah. know this because yeah. I've been split chain so many times in referencing yeah. him. <laughs> You gotta say it just like that. Split change. Split change. Hundred and four. Yeah. I mean, Pakoda says one hundred and forty-eight innings. That's about right. That's about what I expect out of him. So yeah. As excited as I am about him, I never understood. Like, I didn't think he'd be as good as he was in the first half of last year. I didn't quite understand people saying that he would be. He's always been this inconsistent, but mm-hmm. he just put it together last season in the first half. I guess I don't know if we'll do it again, but the injury really worries me. I hope it doesn't go south more than it already did. But if it does, I think the Indians have plenty of like three, four, five guys in the minors. They just cannot replace Carrasco or Kluber, obviously. I mean, I think I think Bauer's going to take a bit of a step forward this year. I mean, he was an above-average pitcher in twenty fifth in twenty sixteen, rather. Get a little bit better in twenty seventeen. Like not, he's not going to make some sort of quantum leap, but just another notch ahead. So he's more like a true exactly instead of just on the fringe of it. Yeah. Right. I mean, he had like one hundred and ten OPS or ERA plus last year. I think he'll be up to like one hundred and eighteen, hundred and twenty, something like that. So, I mean, it's a big leap, obviously, considering. But I think he's going to be better. That he was. But at and this point, you can't complain about it. He's a number four starter. If he can be a really good one, then so be it. I'm okay with and it. And a pitcher like that could get on a hot streak, and and as he did, and as his entire team did at the same time, when they won 14 games in a row, I think he's, he can be you know, truly very good. Yep. And who's, who's to say? Again, he's still so young. So, yep. so our next thing, um, <laughs> a little bit change of pace from pitchers who are very good at their positions and very confident in what they do is Carlos Santana. Um, what the hell is he going to do on defense? He's kind of a designated hitter first baseman now. Not a great first baseman. Um, but apparently, as we saw in Game 3 of the World Series last year, he can play left field. Uh, we don't know if he can play it. He can stand there and take exactly one ball in his direction and not drop it. But he mm-hmm. did that in the Game Series, or in the World Series. Um, he's been planning all offseason. He says he wants to play anywhere the Indians will put him, which isn't a very big surpri- surprise because he said he really doesn't like being a designated hitter. Although that was a couple of years ago, maybe that's changed. But to this point, he hasn't liked it a whole lot. Um, and there is also the unfortunate reality that this is his contract year. So as as much as, as it might help the Indians for him to be a left fielder without Michael Brantley, he's also probably just helping his own value. Like if he can prove he can do something in left field, kind of like Lonnie Chisenhall did going to right, maybe he improves his own value over just some first baseman DH who who we saw this year. They didn't get a whole lot of money. Even Encarnacion didn't get a whole lot. So maybe he wants to diversify himself before he hits free agency. Which is kind of unfortunate because I want the Indians to sign him, but but yeah, he, he's going to be a left fielder maybe once or twice. I wouldn't expect it a whole lot, but but Matt, what do you think of this? Is it good or bad, or do you think it'll even happen a whole lot? I wouldn't expect it to be all that common, but if they do, I think it's going to be when the Indians are at home mostly. I forget where I was reading it, but someone mapped out like the total volume or uh, area of the outfields in baseball and the Indians left field is one of the smallest. So if he learns to play the ball off the wall, he doesn't have to have a ton of range out there. And I think his bat of course warrants being in the lineup, no matter what position he plays. The interesting conversation I think though, was actually on the let's go tribe comment section where they were talking about if he does prove he's at least competent and left that opens them up to maybe twice as many teams in the off season because he'll then be able to potentially stick around in the National League as well. So I'm not too concerned, because like I said, I think it'll be maybe 15, maybe 20 starts in left at most, or there'll be a weird switch where he goes and plays like the eighth inning in left or something. But I'm I'm kind of intrigued. I don't think it'll be a disaster, but fingers crossed he doesn't like 
break his ankle or something out there, and then we're all yelling at, <laughs> at everybody. <laughs> and he'd be yelling at everybody too because that's his contract here. I think it's <laughs> interesting the idea that um, you think he'll only play in progressive field. I think a lot of people think it's the opposite that it it would only be in National League parks. But I like that. Um, I'd be interested to know where you saw that about the left field volume. I think that's interesting that he might just play him there because it's so easy. Yeah. Yeah. So Merritt, what do you think? Is this good? Bad? Is it even going to happen? I mean, um, again, it all depends on how Michael Brantley is. I, if 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 everything goes okay, then it won't be a problem because Michael Brantley will play 130 games in left field, and then they'll give him breaks and things like that. Um, but again, like, you know, like like Matt was saying, it's um, it enhances his own value. And I mean, I don't even like really when you think about progressive field, it makes sense saying when he says that the volume it's much smaller left field than on other parks. Um, just just in terms of when you think of the layout and knowing how to play the ball off the wall, a lot of bad left fielders have made themselves a little bit better going all the way back to Ted Williams. He was not a good left fielder, but he was at least good at reading the ball off the wall. Same thing with Manny Ramirez. All these guys were guys who were all bat, no glove. Um, but at least they brought a little bit. Plus he does have a good arm. I assume still he did. He wasn't a good catcher when he was a catcher, but at least he had a cannon for an arm. So he could throw guys out from time to time. So I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I would have liked if they had gotten a better center fielder if this was actually a thing they were going to do. That That's why, in, on the defensive spectrum of the thing, uh, you have to wonder again, how will Tyler Naquin, if at all, improve in center or Abraham Almonte uh, if you, uh, when he plays in center, when he does? Uh, I don't know. It's I'm, I'm okay with it because otherwise they're going to have this ridiculous logjam at DH slash first base because of him and... Um, Encarnacion, and I don't, I don't care how healthy and friendly is. He's going to be playing at least twenty-five or thirty games as a DH or first baseman, something like that. Oh yeah. Um, and hey, I I don't think the Indians are going to resign him, and that's fine. They can't afford him. Whatever. It stinks. I enjoy the guy, but <laughs> if he can if he if he can go and find himself some money and maybe get out, get out of the American League altogether to to really reduce the pain of having to see him in say the postseason or the chance of it, more power to him. So. I think it's a good thing because the Indians have always needed to be versatile, and this adds some versatility. Hopefully, if he puts the work in, it's 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 a big old question mark, like the entire outfield is. So why not why not throw more question mark into the ridiculous <laughs> sentence? So what's the outfield doing? <laughs> At this point, it's just a big grammatical error of all just a bunch of question marks in the sentence. Yeah, yeah. you know, it was, it was written by a fifteen-year-old girl. What? <laughs> <laughs> Almonte? Almonte? Naquin? No! Exclamation point! And so on. So what were you saying, Matt? It was oh. Andrew Fox on Fangraphs, January 29th, 2015. It is now in the comments section on Facebook. It, it, if you don't what like you trigonometry... And I don't. Was it what you thought, that it was the um, that Progressive Field has the smallest out of all it's, parks, or is it just close? Uh, Fenway is the smallest left field, of course. Yeah. And then the Indians in Philadelphia is the third smallest. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually, as far as corners go, it's the fourth smallest, because then you toss in right field in Yankee Stadium, in the new Yankee Stadium. Tiny as well. So the other thing with Santana, you mentioned that the pain of seeing him leave or not leave. Where does he rank for you guys on like the list of Indians that'd be harder to see another uniform? Because I talked about this with Jason before, hmm. that Lindor, as good as he is, as much I think of him as the Indians, he's just like another really great player. I could see him in another uniform, but it's like players like Jason Kipnis and Carlos Santana who just feel like Indians players and they're great in an Indians kind of way. Like those two are the two that would be the hardest for me 
First maybe not even the hardest, insane. like the weirdest. But Lind, you can, I can see Lindor in another jersey. I don't want to see him no. in another jersey, but no, he's I just another not. great player. No, he's not any more than he's 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 the greatest of players. Uh, I don't know. I've liked Santana for a long time, but I think of all the players, quite honestly, I can see him most in a relatively baggy Red Sox uniform. I think he looked very fine in a relatively baggy Blue Jays uniform. I can see that. I can't see it with Jason Kipnis. The only other uniform I can see right, Jason yeah. Kipnis in is a White Sox uniform. Um, no, I, I, Carlos Santana, well, I like him very much. I, he's not one that I see as a guy who should be an Indian for all time. Michael oh, Brantley looks I know, but, but, but it's just, no, I, I don't, like, you know, Michael Brantley looks like he'd be a good Yankee one day. Um, but yeah, no, he does have a Yankee. I don't know what it is. He looks like he'd be a Yankee eventually. He's always very clean shaven and serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest for me would be like Corey Kluber in an Oakland A's uniform or something. <laughs> oh, poor Corey. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> I just I can't imagine Kluber pitching for any other team. He's going to block us on Twitter now just because we put him in Oakland. Josh Tom will always be an Indian. He's going to pitch the Indians for 50 years. <laughs> I swear to God, he's been on the team since 2006, it feels like. Oh, what's, I'm trying to think of the other guy who was around like forever. Uh, Mitch Talbot. No, that is the name I think of Cleveland right away, though. But Julio Me? Franco. Oh, yeah, of oh. course. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's like, so, like he's like 75 years. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just always look at a box and like, wait a minute, Julio Franco is still there? Is that <laughs> That's going to be Josh Tomlin there? eventually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just always pitching. Right. Not well, but there. Just <laughs> technically there, kind of like how Michael Martinez technically plays a whole bunch of positions. You can't. <laughs> no, do not bring him up. <laughs> so we're going to bring him up now because we're going to talk about Bakota projections. And uh, you wrote your article about you call it um, what was it like unreasonable anger, but I think being angry at Bakota for saying Michael Martinez is going to get playing time that is completely legitimate. I'm so upset um, about that. <laughs> But you guys hadn't picked it up yet. The the baseball prospectus annual was released alongside of when they did the Dakota projections on I think it was the tenth. Everything came out. Yeah. Uh, the Indian section was written by David Brown. Emma about the Damn it. Emma Basileri wrote the player blurbs along with some other BP writers. Um, it's great as always. Although last year I was in the acknowledgments. Uh, this year I'm not, so I would not recommend buying this year's book. Just go buy last year's again. Just buy it again. Just pretend it's 2016. Go back and look at me in the acknowledgments and scroll on by. <laughs> and then you'll feel like a genius for knowing what's going to happen. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like, this projection's way off. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, overall, before we get individual players, let's just talk about um, just overall the Indians did. Matt wrote about this the day it was released. But the Indians are projected to finish 92-70. and 70. The only team in the AL Central was a winning record, which we'll talk about, which I think is really interesting. Um, they're projected to score 798 runs, which is... The most by a long shot. The next closest is the Red Sox at 750. And if they did do that, it'd be the most they've scored since 2008 when they scored 805. And that was Grady's last big hurrah of a season. Um, the Astros yeah, were slated to score 769. The Mariners, 770. Wow, actually, and the Rangers, 765. So the Red Sox are actually fifth, I think. Oh, did I miss? I thought the Red Sox were second. But still, all that's of, quite a big most of Yeah, most of the uh, West is going to outscore the, uh, the Red Sox. Which is a little weird to me, I think. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. They, they have the Astros with uh, really good runs against, which I agree with, but I don't see that offense being that good. Um, so what do you guys think of the overall Indians projections, Merritt? Oh, just Indians? Damn. Uh, well, first of all, what the hell are the doing this. in the second We're talking end. about general team projections right now. Not individual <laughs> players, just overall. 92 seems fine. Um, I was writing about this or talking about it on another podcast or something. It was, it was in my head. Um, 
By another podcast, I just mean myself. Uh, I was talking to the wall the other day. And, I mean, I think last year they were slated to win 90, 92 or 94. So right around that number. And, I mean, I think they'll be better than that. Uh, you mentioned all the other um, AL Central teams being slated to be bad. And I think some of those teams will be worse. And I, I, I don't even know if the White Sox will win 76 games. They got to make another trade or two. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's fine. I think they might. I'm, I'm, the runs against is a part I'm kind of really questioning, just because again the outfield defense is so questionable. Uh, but, Do you think they'll be worse in their projections? Well, no, I think I think 92 is fine. I think. Or no, I mean the runs against specifically. Yes, I do. I think that they'll give up more runs than that. Although it depends. Again, the entire pitching staff has shown a trend, especially in the last year, towards getting more ground ball heavy and taking advantage of a very good infield defense as opposed to a, a, a not very good at all outfield defense. So, yeah, I think they might give up a few more runs. But, again, there's so many moving parts there. So, again, 92 is fine. Um, I was hoping for something better, like, you know, 97. But can't have everything in this world. <laughs> That's so weird thinking about the infield defense being good. Like, think about the beginning I of 2015. Oh, Lonnie Chisenhall, third base. Jose Ramirez, shortstop. They were both awful. Went down to the minors. And then suddenly Francisco Lindor fixed everything. Oh, remember when Azdrubal Cabrera was a thing for a couple years there, too? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man. Still a thing somewhere. Like, in New York right now, I think. Yeah, I think it's with the, uh, the – but he's, a good, he's like good defensively now. I don't know. I, or not bad, at least. I don't know. It's, he was terrible before. He was so bad. I don't bad. know that one really cool play that got turned into an anime. That was it. That was pretty cool. Other than that, <laughs> we had an unassisted triple play one time, too. That was pretty neat. Remember Johnny Peralta? He had stone feet. <laughs> so many memories. Lots of great infielders on the Indians. So <laughs> many great so, ones. Just couple that with Ryan Rayburn's drill into the ground when he threw from the outfield. He got a whole uh, team going there. Christmas. <laughs> So, Matt, what do you think about the overall uh, projections about the team? You wrote about this in depth when it, right when it came out. Um, it what do you think? Well, if anything, I feel like the fielding is a little underestimated. Yeah, I think it's going to be a rocky outfield defensively overall, but I don't see any real glaring weakness. So you think the infield or the runs against is going to be even lower? So I think you and Merritt should fight to the death to decide who's Very right. well. I think that, <laughs> I mean, first base is better defensively at the very least. Yeah. Marginally, but better at the very well, least. As far as so that's, that's goes, I just feel like it's not. I, don't know, I guess it's kind of middle of the pack according yeah. to the projections right now. But other than that, if the team hits two sixty eight as a unit and gets on, you know, at the best clip in the American League, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, were they? Do they have the best on base in the AL? For the now, they do. Yeah. 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 I just don't want them to be a bludgeoning team. I guess you know. I like the. I want them to be more because again, that the, the more holes they have, the more will be exposed come October. I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit there, but <laughs> playoff um, front gear. I merit Ralph. But it's just, um, um, it, it always happens. I mean, we see it every time that a team has a glaring weakness, it gets exposed in October, and the, and the bigger it is, you know, I mean, the Royals did a great job of exposing that in the Mets. Uh, the Indians did a good job of exposing their own in the World Series. So I don't know. It's just, I I don't know. I wish they were better at things they were bad at, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and just as the, on the fun scale, I think having like plays like Rajai Davis and the small ball thing was fun mm-hmm. instead of just beating solo home runs all season long. I agree. So, I'm okay. so now let's talk about individual players. Um, here's what I want to do first. Since you guys don't have the, um, you guys don't have the annual, right? So you can't look this up easily. What am I um, looking at? The projections? Now, I'm going to give you a couple comps, because if you've ever got the annual, you know they do the comparisons oh. along with the projections. So I'm going to give you a couple and see if you know who they are. You ready? Yes. All right. 
Okay, the first one, somebody got a Carlos Carrasco comp. Huh. This can be major league players, prospects, anybody. Uh, I'm going to guess McKenzie. I heard enough of that to know it was McKenzie. <laughs> so, Barrett, what's your guess? Wait, explain this to me again. Someone, okay, so, so someone when you get the, the Indian game. system was compared right. to Carlos Carrasco. Yes. <laughs> well, like, so when uh, Baseball Prospectus does their projections, they give you um, the next two years, and they also give you comparisons. Yeah. They give you three for each player. Most of them are just like Trevor Bauer in the match. Nope, Rob Kaminsky. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. The next Carlos Carrasco was apparently Rob Kaminsky. So when will he start his head hunting and then <laughs> and then go to the bullpen and become more mellow? Because there's a whole thing here with Carlos Carrasco. Who's going to tell him he's got to break his hand in a few years if he wants to be oh, Carlos Carrasco? Point. <laughs> it's weird how much Kaminsky has fallen off the radar because his curveball suddenly wasn't amazing for half a year. But then he came back and he was good in the second half, so I don't know. I'm still pretty excited about him. Do another. <laughs> so another one. Yeah, keep on going. We got a Trevor Plouffe comp. Who's that? Ooh. Who the fuck is Trevor Plouffe? He was kind of sort of no, good. I, I, mean, I, I remember him. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> great. I was going to figure it um, Jeez. Uh, Giovanni Urshela. Matt? Who's Trevor Plouffe? I hope it's not Ramirez that they're saying is Plouffe. <laughs> it's Eric Gonzalez. I was okay. going to say that also. I was like, no, no, it's got to be someone actual that I care about. Okay, but yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Well, by the way, also, teams have been apparently calling about him, which I read. Um, I think that's interesting that the Indians aren't giving him up right away. Gonzalez? Well, you know, it's a yeah. good, good kind of guy to have around type of thing. And mm-hmm. we all know how Terry Francona loves guys to have around. <laughs> Before the Indians went all out and just dumped everything to Andrew Miller, Gonzalez was the player I thought would be gone at the deadline for somebody smaller. But Well, maybe what the Indians are doing now is people call for Eric Gonzalez and they go, but wait, we have this nice Michael <laughs> Martinez. Are you kidding? They don't want to trade Martinez. He's like, no. He's on the line, like, breathing heavily. No, you can't trade him. Holy cow, Tito, sir. (laughs) So the next one, uh, this one, John Olerud. Ooh. If there was a hall of very good for a few years, he would be in it. With his sweet helmets and everything. Oh, man. He was an eight-war player for two seasons. Yeah, he was very good. He was. I didn't realize he came up when he was 21. That's crazy. Mm. Who you got? Who's our John Olerud? Who's John Olerud? Who is John Olerud? <laughs> Matt, you does go this first. mean does this mean he plays the same position as John Olerud? Um, I'm trying to think of the comps. I don't think it has to be. Oh, no, okay. it, might, it might have to. But I think they're mostly okay. going by offensive production. Oh, all right. Um, Gandhi Diaz. Matt, I bet Matt likes that one. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. I'm thinking of the rate it went pretty good because I was. All right, so Matt, who do you think got the John Olerud comp? Olerud's numbers, I think, possibly based on the on-base percentage. That could be a good one. I was wondering about Bobby Bradley, but I don't think Olerud has or had that same kind of power potential. So this one is Carlos Santana. I was going to say him too, but the batting average was getting me. <laughs> well, you were you are so close on all these, Merritt. You know <laughs> no, Carlos Santana. I, would, I don't know if know. he's going to explode. Sorry, <laughs> I'd be okay with him exploding this year for his eight-win season right before he hits free agency. If he wants well, to be John Olerud for a year. As I wrote about, on average, players in their contract year <laughs> perform 6% better. So, there you go. I don't know if he's 6% below John Olerud. Maybe a tiny bit more. but oh, you know, <laughs> it's if, on he average. Was, if he was 6% below John Olerud in 1993, I'd take that. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, our last one... Um, this pitcher, he got comps to Felix Hernandez and David Price. 
I like those comps. I'm assuming it's the good Felix and the good Price. Right. <laughs> Not postseason David Price and last year's Felix Hernandez. Um, I mean, would this be... Oh, um, it's not Brady Aiken, is it? No, he doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a UCL. I mean, if they have a, have a UCL, yeah, I feel like Kluber. Yeah, I don't Kluber's know. Season. Nope, this one's Carlos Carrasco. Damn it! <laughs> you were going to say him too, weren't you? No, I wasn't. I, I don't know. I was going to prospect. I don't know. <laughs> Kluber got stuck with just Justin Verlander and two no-names. but Garbage. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> but Carrasco got Felix Hernandez and David Price, which is insane. Oh, I'm guessing it's the strikeout rate. And yeah. penchant to sometimes walk that got him that. Um, yeah, but those lower guys like Tristan McKenzie and Brady Aiken, there's not enough. Even yeah. McKenzie, who was great, they don't get very good comps yet. Well, they again, will. Soon. I have no idea how they're how, how they're doing these com- these uh, comparisons. So I was just shooting. Towards the end, they're just shooting <laughs> in the dark. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So yeah, those are my comparisons. Uh, I love looking at. That's my favorite. One of my favorite things about the annuals, looking at the weird comparisons that come up. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the individual players on the Indians. Uh, Mary, you had a specific post about Jose Ramirez. Not I did. Uh, Dropping down quite a bit from what he was last year in his projection. So, why do you hate Pakoda and everything it stands for over Jose? Oh, it's not that I quite hate. It's just you know conservatives. What can you do, right? Um, it's two seventy six, three twenty four, four ten. If someone told me that's how he would have hit last year, dope. But he didn't do that last year, did he? He hit something more like three ten, three sixty, four sixty, almost exactly that, which is literally in the ninetieth percentile of how uh, of the weight of the bell curve that Prakota created for him. So literally he performed as good as he ever, as this projection system could have possibly thought he could do. And I'm like, why can't he do that again? I don't know, whatever. Um, he was, <laughs> but, but then on the other, on the other side of that, he was, he was very lucky in certain situations. And I don't know, I just like him and I want him to be better than he is. And it bugs me that, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have words to put it together. I already put it into words and now I'm out of words. So <laughs> too many words, too many words. Oh. <laughs> so I think there's a, there's a similar one in Francisco Lindor and that he is projected to come down quite a bit, mm-hmm. but I'm the opposite on both of them. I think Ramirez, it's completely reasonable that he's going to hit somewhere in that as much as I want to believe in him. And I do believe in him. I'm perfectly okay with him shattering my expectations, but I don't think he's going to be quite a six win player again. But on the other hand, Lindor, although they do have him for 17 home runs, which is impressive for the projection, I think he's going to hit way better than they think. I think the stories of Lindor being bored in the minor leagues at this point, they look true. <laughs> like, he was just that good. And he was bored just sitting in AAA. And once he got the calls of the major, something clicked. And this is this is not him not performing anything. This is Lindor being what Lindor is supposed to be. And I hope he you remember as a prospect, up. he was... Oh, of course, yeah. But he was like a defensive prospect first coming up. And now, all of a sudden, he's a great hitting shortstop. Which I think but is just the legends that will be told about a player being bored in AAA <laughs> and then dominating. <laughs> it's going to be a great movie. That's not a very inspirational movie, I don't think. <laughs> just like the first half of the first yeah, half is just Francisco Lindor bored in the minors and barely hitting and playing great defense. And then he merges and the second half is amazing. It's so a, Matt, it teaches you the lesson that if you're bored with where you are and you don't want to be there anymore, just don't try very hard. And eventually <laughs> you'll, you'll get somewhere better. I like that message. If you're talented, you don't need to work hard at the lower levels. It'll come to you exactly. later when you get promoted. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's a heartwarming story. It should be showed in school. <laughs> So, Matt, anything that stuck out for you for anybody? I think from Dakota? they're kind of a little high on Naquin. I know I that one replacement yeah, isn't man. crazy high, but it, it's just they're projecting his average only to drop to 264 and his on base to go to 335. And I think he still finished the year with a batting average on balls in play over 400, which is not sustainable, even if you're Mike <laughs> Trout. <laughs> 
So I think that's a case of the projection systems can't see every little thing or they don't use every little thing. Like they don't know there's a glaring weakness for anything thrown a pilot. They don't see the fact that he was so bad in the second half because pitchers know exactly how to pitch to him. They just saw a rookie who was really hot and he slumped a bit. He'll be back next year. Yeah. So I think that's a case where it's just looking at raw numbers and it came out better than what he might end up being. Because holy cow, he cannot hit anything above the belt. Oh, Christ, no. You <laughs> so thing. bad. Mm. <laughs> like, it's just, I have this image saved on my desktop. It's just a coincidence. I just saw it. Like, the heat map, it's just solid blue <laughs> above the halfway point. It's just so bad hitting above the belt. And that didn't change, like, towards the end of the year. He never really adjusted to it. So, and that's going to be a big thing. Dyer gets more than 260 some plate appearances, too. Yeah. As long as he's platoon, that's all I want. He is so yes. good against lefties. <laughs> I hope he faced a lot more lefties, basically, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also think that, um, I think Jason Kipnis, Jason Kipnis has been stung by one injured year for years now, and I think he's going to be much better than the, what they portray him to be. I mean, he hit all those home runs last year, but he just, since everyone else had all those home runs and he struck out a lot more, I don't know. I think this is going to be, it's something I've seen in other players before, where they kind of slowly put all the things together and then become very good suddenly. That's never good. Well, I mean, I think honestly, I think the perfect example of this is um, is Andrew McCutcheon, where if you look at his numbers, he had like the, he had like the same numbers two years in a row, and then uh, like his on base numbers dropped a little bit, but his power numbers spiked, and then the next year he won, or like two years later he won an MVP because he was amazing. And I don't know, I think we're just we're we're going to be entering into the year of Jason Kipnis with this, and I think saying two seventy one, three forty four, particularly the four twenty four slugging percentage and the seventeen home runs. I think he's going to have a 2017 kind of pseudo kind of breakout season, kind of like not as loudly, really, but kind of like uh, Altuve did in 2016. Yeah. 12.6 wins above replacement. He's going to be literally better than Babe Ruth, is what I'm saying to you. I think, again, this is like the fact that they can't see minute things because Jason Kittness, he actively changed his approach to the plate last year. He was swinging yeah. higher. He even said, and the data shows it, that he was – Hitting up on the ball more, which obviously made a huge difference, and that's going to carry over, I think. If it doesn't, I'm going to be worried, because he made a major change to his swing, and all of a sudden it's not working. That's that's kind of scary for a hitter who's going into his prime. It's just amazing that launch angle cool. can make that much of a difference. Yeah. And it's amazing how easy it is to find, like, once yeah. they have the data now. I think a lot of players, that's what caused the spike in home runs, I think, is a lot of players are doing that. Which I'm okay with. I like home runs. Although it's causing more strikeouts, which... Mm. Well, that's not bad either, I guess. I don't like them. They bore me. <laughs> They bore me. Dance for me, players. Dance. (laughs) Dinger, now. (laughs) I demand home runs and triples. Nothing more, nothing less. So anything else Prakota related before we move on to the the wonderful questions we've got from our social media readers? Uh, It's coming out tomorrow morning, or tomorrow at some point. I don't know when you're going to publish it. But Abraham Almonte, way low on him, and I think he's going to have a big year. Well, Well, it's not coming out now, so. Uh, what's that? Oh, shit. Well, I go more depth on it. Whatever. Shush. No, it, it'll be tomorrow. It's a great uh, post. There's, there's pictures and everything. I loved it. Uh, there are more charts, Matt. Than pictures. <laughs> <laughs> they were just silly. I technical with it. Whatever. <laughs> charts with data. Charts that I stole from MLB.com. Whatever. <laughs> Make sure to credit them because they'll be mad otherwise. Um, that's all. Abraham Montes, I think, is going to be good. I'm very optimistic my writing as anyone who reads my writing might notice so i think i think all these guys are gonna have good years because it's going to be a good environment in the clubhouse and this is the start of a series right you're doing every outfielder basically yes, we do every single outfielder yes cool well my only other thing is that 
interestingly, if you haphazardly add the wins above replacement from Pakoda for Alan Miller and Shaw, it equals one Carlos Carrasco. Son of a bitch. Wow. Okay, so let's get to your questions. Uh, every Monday, I will ask on Twitter and Facebook if anybody has any questions for us to answer on the podcast. You can always also, as well, uh, message us on Facebook, direct message us on Twitter. We have an email, but I don't even know what it is anymore, so don't email us. Just message us. <laughs> we'll find it one way or another. Um, the first one is at R. Gillis. Uh, he wants to know, comparing the Tribe attempt to follow up the World Series loss was a win to recent Royals' seat. How did both tweak their rosters from one year to the next, and how did the most how did the most likely competition change their rosters from one season to the next? Parallels and differences. So basically, to kind of condense that down into what would have fit into one tweet, he wants us to compare the Royals when they went to back-to-back World Series and when the Royals, what changes they made between 2014 and 15 to what the Indians made between 2016 and 2017. That's the gist of it. Um, Does anyone want to go first? I did look up some things for this if you guys didn't. So Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll say what I can to a degree. Uh, <laughs> so in 2015, obviously, they won 95 games. In 2014, they only won 89. But I think the two things they improved upon were uh, starting pitching, and then uh, second base, really, I think, is the place where you can look. I mean, that's what we're saying. But really, it's basically um, switching out Omar Infante for Ben Zobrist, which is, yeah. huge, which is a huge. I think that one move, um, both in the regular and then especially the postseason, obviously Cueto was a big move as well. But I think that one swap kind of mirrors, in a way, the uh, the swapping out, essentially, of... Depending on how you want to look at it, I guess, whether the swapping of Encarnacion or Napoli for Encarnacion or or Napoli and Raja Davis for Edwin Encarnacion, however you want to look at it, whatever. Um, that, I think, would be the nearest mirror, I guess. The thing, I guess, that's different is the Royals didn't really change, at least in my eyes, the makeup of their team, particularly. They were defense and pitching and get to the bullpen kind of a team. Mm-hmm. And whereas the Indians... I mean, in a way, I feel like they've kind of changed the makeup of their team, as we've mentioned before, from a kind of a small ballish team to a, a slugging team. So I think it's a little bit more stark. I don't think it's going to – like I wrote the other day about the about uh, about just the position of first base, I don't think they're, they're going to suddenly become the Toronto Blue Jays. I think they'll still steal bases. They have a lot of athletes. But it's just – it's definitely a kind of a change. That's what mm. I think. What about you, Matt? The two things that jump out at me are they swapped a an okay year from Billy Butler for really a very good year from Kendris Morales oh, in 2015. That was going to be one of mine. Because <laughs> he hit 22 home runs, had 106 RBIs to lead the team. Really good, yeah. It was a very good year. And then they got rid of James Shields before he exploded. <laughs> <laughs> and they replaced him with Edinson Volquez, which was right. a little bit better. So they had Jeffrey well, and, and Shields eventually. in 2014 that both pitched 200 innings, and then Volquez pitched almost exactly 200 uh, in 2015, and then no one else really came close to that. So they ended up famously relying on Holland, Herrera, and Davis for much of or much more of the innings than they had previously. And Wade Davis was gone that year, basically. <laughs> he was Andrew Miller, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I do think if we're drawing parallels directly to directly to the Indians, like Matt said, they replaced the Royals replaced a DH of starting pitcher. There was the two big losses. 
Mm. The Indians, the only losses pretty much were Rajai Davis and Mike Napoli, and they arguably didn't really replace Davis. They didn't. They're kind of hoping on Naquin not catching fire, and they're they're hoping for Michael Brantley to come back. I mean, Austin Jackson is not a replacement for Rajai Davis at this point. I don't think so. I also don't think they had to because the the improvement they made with Encarnacion over Napoli that that more than does it. They're okay. <laughs> I think I will also Rajai Davis. I will also say that um, in particular they didn't have um, Abraham Almonte for most of the year last year because of steroids and. <laughs> He profiles very, at least production-wise, very similarly to Davis, um, at least at the plate. Obviously, you don't have the stolen bases or anything. And he's a little bit better defensively uh, by se- by several different measures. He's not used the same. He's going to be played right and, right and center rather than left and center. So it's a little bit different, obviously. But So they didn't have to go out and get anybody to replace him. Right. Like, it's, it, like it, the they, Royals it, did. Right. It, it was more of an improvement within the like, – they, they saw that they had a guy who was very similar and will probably, quite honestly, be – as in a net, so over, but not so much in the postseason, but in, over the the full season will definitely be a net positive over Davis. Not in a huge way, but again, it'll be a marginal improvement. And then, of course, the improvement between Napoli and Carnacion is quite big. <laughs> quite big is a nice way to put it. it it's it's massive, I think. And like you said about changing the makeup or not changing, that's another good point. I think the Indians are not the same team that they were compared to the Royals, who were, which they were pitching in defense and then infuriating small ball that they had. I think they're a lot easy. like what the Rangers were as as far as their offense goes, if the Rangers didn't collapse in the playoffs, like they had the same luck and clutch and like the only thing that made the Rangers good was just how good they were when it mattered. And they weren't good when it mattered in the playoffs. <laughs> so I think if the Rangers succeeded, they would look a lot like the Royals did, but they didn't. So, and the Indians, I'm much happier being a good team. The kind of good team that the Indians are where it's a solid offense, a solid starting pitching and a really good bullpen. Overall, I don't think there's a ton of similarities. We're kind of stretching, I think to make, matches between the two other than the fact that one went they both went to the world series and lost and if they go back and win it's going to kind of look like a similarity but i think they're completely different stories altogether. well yeah and again like as as has been you know repeated ad nauseum the big difference we hope anyway in 2017 is that the pitching staff will be healthy um right i who's to say what would have happened but i think if you're starting you know in the world series if your second starter isn't whoever the hell they were starting, uh, <laughs> you know, Bauer, if instead Bauer starting game four or whatever, I don't know, you know, and then what's his name? And then Kluber gets more, you know, as, as we've gone over many times before. So it's just, did you refer to Kluber as what's his name? No. Um, oh, okay. No, uh, Bauer, <laughs> I think, I think I did refer to Kluber as what's his name. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that guy, that Cy Young, the one that award, whatever. Whatever. That was Who the guy that was. <laughs> <laughs> was just, <yeah>. So our <laughs> next question, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the guy with the beard. I don't know what his name is. Oh, he shaved it now. It's, oh, there was a footage from so spring training. He's clean. Shaved. Oh, it's so weird looking. <laughs> if we're going to talk beards, Kluber's one of the ones I like without a beard more. Uh, his really? beard, it's it's unfortunately, it's like mine. It's just gross. Uh, and like He's got such a bizarre <laughs> chin, though. Uh, <laughs> now he is going to block us. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about his chin hairs. Way to go, Barrett. You're losing everybody. Whatever. <laughs> so, next question. Everything. Speaking of blocking on Twitter, um, Chris D. Davies, he wants to know can you explain what's going on with the at Indians DM account? I've got a so guess. This is normally, <laughs> it's normally the account of Indians GM, Chris Antonetti. Not, but the Chris last Antonetti? I checked. <laughs> what? Is that not Chris? I was looking at it earlier. Is that not Chris Antonetti? I thought he just got a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> was, it's. <laughs> It's not Chris Antonetti right now. It's last time uh, I looked, it's Griffin Markham. Oh, you're right. Uh, that isn't Chris Antonetti. <laughs> <laughs> it clearly looks like they was hacked. Um, I don't know. The Indians tweeted at him. They said, delete our account, Happy Kyle. 
I don't. I have no idea. I pride myself on my Twitter sleuthing sometimes, but I cannot find what they were responding to. It was deleted. I I don't know. <laughs> he was hacked I clearly. I don't know if it's just like a bot took over or because that's like a typical bot profile and like if you're active or what. I don't no, it's know. just it's just your average team, man. <laughs> your average Griffin Markham. Markham. Markham, yeah, he's verified and everything. This is definitely Griffin. Markham. <laughs> that is definitely Griffin. Markham. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. So, Four what's your theory, Matt? Matt? Well, it's probably a bot that's going after verified accounts that have been inactive for a while. Because I've been creepily staring at the page for a little bit, <laughs> and he retweeted um, at GYT now, which from what I can tell, used to be an MTV Twitter handle that encouraged people to go get tested for STDs. <laughs> uh, it's also verified, and it's now also a picture of what I would assume young women find attractive between ages 11 and 13 these days. So it's like some weird, creepy botnet that's pretending to be boy band people. And he also recently <laughs> asked who wants a DM. Anybody want direct messages by V. Griffin Markham? And of course, there's responses from a bunch of people that look like also bots <laughs> that are saying me. It's it's so weird. It, it is like a botnet. That's basically what's going on. It's bizarre. But if they haven't used it in so long, maybe they just don't care. <laughs> so oh, just leave Guys, it. you should see this bulldog at the Westminster Dog Show. <laughs> <laughs> but what is Griffin McElroy saying about it? Griffin Markham saying about it? <laughs> That's what I want to know. No, wait, it's a different person altogether. Um, yeah, tweets and replies. Oh, he's he talking no... to people. No, I'm only seeing I'm only seeing two tweets by Griffin because he, he deleted the rest of them. Oh, this, wow. Markham, he is a private person. He doesn't like to put it all out there. He's just your average team. You may know him <laughs> as Indians. So, I mean, <laughs> so the next question uh, comes from Mark Shuffleton on Facebook. He wants to know why did the Indians move spring training to Arizona? Uh, they moved. For anybody who doesn't know, they moved in 2009. Um, they were in Chain of Lakes Park. And I'm guessing because the park was made in 1966, it was just a case of it's old and we want, we want a new park and the only location is in Arizona. That was I don't know if you guys did anything different, but that was that was me Googling for a little while. Hurricanes, hey, climate change. Yeah, there was the one they moved in 1993 where there was a hurricane and it ruined their old one. Mm. And then they moved. They don't, want to be uh, near, they don't want to be in Florida. Can you blame them? Zing, Florida. <laughs> Uh, okay. A lot of the land out there, uh, urban sprawl is creepy. It is creepy. <laughs> it is very creepy. Haven now, so land value started to climb around then, and I think on those eventually. So as of now, it's just sitting sort of empty. But instead, yeah, the last team there was like the Red Sox in 2008, I think. Yeah. So nobody's using it. It was just an old, an old crappy stadium. They wanted a new one, and apparently they have a really nice one now in Goodyear. So. Plus, they're right near that sweet, like, plane graveyard or whatever, which I think is just super dope. Are they? It reminds me of that sweet scene from Con Air, which took place in a plane graveyard. <laughs> That's the first R-rated movie I saw in a theater. I don't know if anybody cares, but... It's one of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> it, it truly... It's a movie. Nicholas Cage's hair in that is beautiful. <laughs> Where he's, like, coming out and he waves it. Mm, mm, I do that. <laughs> when the wind blows outside, I do that sometimes. Go, <laughs> that face. Mm, I feel like I'm getting out of prison. Oh, That's yeah. the sole reason Andrew Miller is growing out his beard, by the way. He wants to have the hair of Nicolas Cage. On his face? Yeah. <laughs> he's no, he's growing out his hair, too. He's growing everything. Oh, he's got man. it going. Awesome. He's going for the Nick Cage look. This could be amazing. So my first rated R movie was Face Off, 
also with Nicolas Cage. Hell yeah, that's one of the greatest. Merritt, what was yours? I better have Nicolas Cage. Come on, Merritt. My first ra- no, my first rated R movie was Speed. What the hell? Wow. <laughs> hey, that's a great movie. First of it all. is, but that was rated R for what? Because they say they say fuck like a hundred times. Well, I mean, so what? <laughs> People get blown up like he shoots a hostage. It's sure. It's uh, what's his name? Jeff Daniels, but still. <laughs> if you're 14 and haven't seen a couple people blow up by now, come on. I was like eight. <laughs> <laughs> and your parents took you to speed? Oh, in the theater. Yeah, in the theater. What was the first rated R movie? I don't know. Was Austin Powers rated R? No. I don't even know. I know the first movie I ever saw was Beethoven, the one with about the giant dog. <laughs> I don't know what the first rated R movie I ever saw was. Oh, I saw Face Off. I rented it from the library. And had to secretly watch it because my mom didn't want me to watch it. And I All loved the movies it. to get from the library. <laughs> Thanks. So okay, so good film. Uh, what was the question? So yeah, that's why we don't know. So Face Off was a movie. <laughs> I guess that was a question. What was yes. your favorite, your first R-rated movie? I'm pretty Which sure it was what better, asked. that one, Con Air, or The Rock? Oh, it's clearly Con Air. Come on, clearly really Con Air. Uh, is just... Sean Connery in that? Same thing's like Oprah. No, he's not. I say I say The Rock is probably Nicolas Cage's best mid nineties action film. <laughs> so I next submit. question. Okay. Next question. <laughs> Mike Firmstone on Facebook. He wants to know if he's not producing by the All Star Break, will Jan Gomes be with the team or traded with Mejia ready to come up? Mejia is not ready to come up. He's, <laughs> he's like not gonna be this team, year. right? He's probably not gonna be next year. If Jan Gomes isn't with the team, it is not because of Francisco Mejia. <laughs> Does anybody disagree with that? No. No, definitely not. No, I mean, if he's not playing, then yet, then what's his name is going to be playing. I have lots of what's his name on this team. Uh, you know, whatever. Because Bruno Perez will be in the midst yeah. of a 150 home run season. Precisely. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> this projection is surprisingly low on him. Six home runs, Matt. But and I'd like to point out that this is the same catcher who John Lucroy wasn't sure he could beat out heading into the season. He's he's imagining himself right now being behind Jan Gomes on the depth chart. That was his vision mm-hmm. for what was coming for him in the future. Like just, that, just, that just shows me he doesn't trust himself. Is that a man you want at the backstop on your team? I'd rather have him at home sitting on his new that he got. <laughs> I also think that if he's not producing by the All-Star break, I don't think he has any trade value at yeah, that yeah. point. He'll just be a backup at best. Do you guys think he will produce? Like... Mm. Has it all just been injuries and recovery from injuries the, the last, what, year and a half now that he's been going through? I mean, I, I would like for him to be who he was in 2013, but at this point, are we being unrealistic? Yeah, I'm generally pretty low on Jan Gomes. I still like him. I want him to succeed, but I don't think it's there. He's going to be great defensively still, but I don't think as bad as ever going to be where it was. Mm-hmm. Even if we could just get that 2014 out of him, you know? Just get something out of him. Anything. Literally any production at all out of him. Yeah. I'm just looking at the numbers. I think if I remember his batting average on balls in play was below 200. So he has to bounce back somewhat. Literally. He was making such weak contact. It it wasn't all just like line drives to outfielders. Some of them were, but he made a lot of crappy contact. Yeah. He broke his collarbone. Oh, God. Not 69 to 9 and strike out the walk ratio. Like, good Christmas. <laughs> what are you doing, Jan? Uh. So our next question uh, comes from Matt McPhee on Facebook. He I'm wants at. to know how long or what? I said, hi, Matt. I said, oh. to the guy on I'm Facebook. <laughs> how will Luke Hart's grouchiness develop over the season in terms of war? 
How grouchy do you think he'll end up being by season's end? Might he find himself in a possible grouchy platoon situation? Um, Jason Lucar, we love him. He's grouchy. Nothing is going to stop him from grouchiness. I don't think. I don't know, care how good the Indians are. He will be expecting some kind of failure and cat- catastrophe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if the Indians go on like a 30-game win streak. Jason's going to find something to be like, no, it, it's coming. This is where it collapses right here. I think he's overrated as a grouch. He seems like a very nice person. What are you talking about? Overrated. (laughs) Bench him. So you think he's going to be platoon grouchy? He'll be half as grouchy as we think he'll be. I don't know. I could see see a solid year for him. I think his his grouchy war, G-war or guar, you could see 4.5, 4.6 by the end of the year. Was this about guar? (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm 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 very against Merritt on this. I've liked the projections that have Jason as a very grouchy player this year. He's Your got a entire system is skewed, completely <laughs> skewed. I didn't get a chance to look at his grouch comps yet, but I'm sure they're encouraging and very very grouchy. Various Oscars <laughs> and whatnot. Yes. <laughs> so our last question uh, comes from Tribe Rally Drum. He wants to know what do you guys think of the runner on extra or runner on second extra innings rule? Considering I'd be used right away to start extras, I like it. So the first part of that question, that rule is total garbage. Um, in extra innings, starting the runner on second base for no reason, just because because reasons. Uh, but the second half of that question, anything that gets John Adams to hit his drum more, I am all for. I love that man. I love his drum. I want it to happen more. I uh, what about you guys? Once again, wholeheartedly. No, no, you do not like that rule. No. The, oh, I like. I, first of all, no, I don't like the rule. Okay. Yes. However, I also Ooh. don't like even the idea of him just banging the drum hard. I don't. I forgot. I didn't realize there was even a reason, another reason for me to hate the rule. I like when the drum starts getting banged because it's an organic event. All okay. of a sudden, there's a man, you know, in scoring position. I don't want. To, I don't want John to wail away on his drum. Just when would he start? At first pitch, when the opposing pitcher takes the mound. Who knows? No, no, no. This is wrong, and it, once again, it will water down one of the great traditions in all of baseball: the Indians' board drum. No. Yeah. And- Someone, it might have been Poznanski and Mike Shore, but somebody pointed out, like, that's not going to be every inning starting or extra inning starting with the guy on second. It's going to be every inning starting with a runner on third and one out because they're just going to bunt him over every time. Ugh. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Like, that sucks. More bunts? Are you, Are you saying you don't want to watch extra innings with a bunt every single time? Oh, and then Sam Miller pointed out you could throw a perfect game and lose because of this situation. Oh, like, my God. Like, <laughs> and I still can't get over how you would score that because everything needs to be recorded in baseball. Always. Yeah. That's why Eddie Goodell could have been second. expunged from the records because then no, then somebody pitched to nobody and then nobody got on base and then nobody scored and all of baseball collapses. So <laughs> does, does the guy just get an automatic double? It, like who who goes up there? Would it be the guy who would be leading off? It, all, of, all of a sudden, is he on second base? And then, what if it's Miguel Cabrera? Actually, I feel like you benefit then because then you get to face anyone else besides Miguel Cabrera or Mike Trout or whoever. <laughs> no, it's just so, the designated runner. But then, then do you bench someone? Like, is, is this is this a tenth player that is just only his job is to run in extra innings? In which case, that's absurd. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's I stupid. Mean, it's all around. How down. did he get? Yeah, and like, it's just how did he get there? I, I need paperwork describing to me how he achieved second base. You can't just dump somewhere. Plan laid out. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen in the very low levels of the minors, and I'm sure it's going to be garbage, and they'll dump it right away. I can't wait to go watch some low A extra innings this year. Mm, I'm going to find a team near me. Does Potomac have a bat? Have a single A team? Maybe I'll go see them. <laughs> You're going to be in like the stands with four other people, and an extra inning starts. And you, yes, 
Dude, I he love, was. first of all, I love low baseball. It's awesome. <laughs> Lexington, <laughs> Kentucky has an amazing team. But yes, I will be so psyched for extra inning baseball and crappy <laughs> low A ball. Off the benches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's what we do. It's not a player that runs or goes to second base. If the game goes into extra innings, then someone from like the grounds crew or a random fan goes to second mascot. base and runs for the team. Ooh, I like that too. <laughs> Slider goes to second. You got to hit him in. Hmm. That is the only way I approve this rule. As I would love to see someone try to round third base with like no <laughs> peripheral vision at all. <laughs> She's just falling over slowly. <laughs> that third base coach catches him and pushes him back in. <laughs> All right, this needs to happen now. We need to revise the rule, and it needs to go into effect. Call Joe Torrey. <laughs> I love this idea. Uh, that's all our questions. Oh, the last one, I like that. I like where we ended up with it. It was a pretty yes. – it's just a regular question. What do you think of this rule? But we we made up a whole better rule about putting the mascot, which that's commemorable. Good work. Good work, us. <laughs> Job well done, everybody. <laughs> I mean, the rest of this podcast, whatever, garbage. But – we made that rule. We made our mark on podcasting forever. You changed the world, gentlemen. <laughs> so it's next week, or whenever you guys will be on again. Next week, next couple weeks, whatever. What are you guys up to? In Anything? the next week? Uh, well, um, uh, I got this. Well, I don't know when this airs. Does it air on Tuesdays? Eventually, yeah, tomorrow. Check out my other podcast, Mostly Baseball. It airs on <laughs> Mondays and then another weekday during the week, depending on when we can record. Uh, read my stuff. Well, let's go tribe. Listen to the knockout on score space. Every Thursday night, I talk about baseball around nine 30. Um, it's a live radio show on the internet. It's weird. I know. Right. Radio. Do that. Stupid. Other than that. Yeah. I might go to another brewery around the DC area this weekend. So if you're there, maybe you'll see me there. Hey. Cool. Where can we find you, Matt? I'll just be <laughs> packing. Ugh. Don't bring us down. Setting up utilities. Uh, transferring insurance, all the really exciting stuff in life. You get to work from home, don't you? I will be working from home, yes, once I'm settled again. But that also means I get a dog. Yay! Fun. What kind of dog? Uh, I don't know yet. Did you watch the Westminster Dog Show to pick one out? You totally should have done that. You get a bulldog, an English bulldog, like this tough one that was on there. I'm going to watch that video again. You look so tough. But you watch time... videos of the Westminster Dog Show during the podcast? Oh, that was just a clip on Twitter that I had to catch. That's all. <laughs> Wait, I am my priority straight. All right. I know what I'm doing correctly. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting, Matt. You'll be around. You'll be closer to baseball than any of us, I think. Closer to Indians baseball than just about anybody from Let's Go Tribe. Clippers games. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. And Damn, I, I'm sure you've been to them, right? The Huntington Park? It's been a long time. I went a couple times in college. That looks like almost major league quality of how mm. nice it looks. And they have a dime a dog night, so Ooh. a there. dime, a dime. Yeah, you I didn't know went... that they have dime a dog. It's their big thing. I mean, I went to a place, this place that sold me a quarter hot no, dog, dime. and that was awesome. Ugh. I ate so many hot dogs that night. Yes, <laughs> it's always a mistake. Uh, why did I eat seventeen hot dogs? Ugh. It's only what like a buck seventy for all of them. Oh my god! <laughs> I really want to go to a dime a dog sometime. Although, you, like, the hot dogs they use most places for those cheap ones are, like, the old, kind of shriveled up and in wrapper kind of thing. Yeah, yeah they're, they're the boiled dogs. Yeah, they're 10 cents. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll eat whatever's wrapped in whatever for 10 cents. What do I care? Yeah, I'm <laughs> pay real money for this. <laughs> so, um, Yasmani Grandal is baseball references number one similarity, similar batter to Jan Gomes. So, there you go, everyone. Think about that. That's what we're going to yeah. get. 
<laughs> Yay. Awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> well, everybody, uh, on that topic of boiled gross hot dogs, mm. we will talk to you next week. Hope you're listening to this wherever, whatever, and do it again next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>